This is the Women Emerging Expedition Podcast, so you can follow the ups and downs and the roundabouts of the expedition and play your part in them. 24 women started on the 28th of May 2022 on this virtual expedition that will take nine months. We are women from across the world determined to find an approach to leadership that resonates with women. We'll be successful so that women the world over will be able to say, if that's leadership, I'm in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Julia Middleton here, expedition leader. Next week is 2023. It is very, very exciting. Certainly, I am oh so excited. It's the last month of the expedition. Then in February, we gather in Bellagio. We gather the, all the expedition members to produce an approach to leadership that resonates with women. And then we're going to spend 2023 having captured it, then sharing it far and wide in villages and cities and corporates and temples and homes and market squares and parliaments and studios and clinics and schools and universities, just about everywhere where women are. Uh, where women are considering leadership or considering more leadership. Uh, I am immensely excited about 2023. I've also, this is the 41st podcast. It has to be said, I have absolutely loved producing podcasts for the last 40 weeks. Talking to women about leadership, it's been a sort of, almost a sort of my own little parallel expedition myself and please forgive me because this episode I'm not going to interview anybody I'm just going to talk myself and tell you about where we've got to and where we're going what what I've learned in the process of leading an expedition <laughs> I wouldn't recommend leading uh leading an expedition about leadership it's been a bit of a, a whirlwind for me in leadership and and then maybe some thoughts about sort of early insights, the things that I think I'll be taking to Bellagio, things about mothering and spirituality and language and reframing, lots of things that have been sort of rushing around in my head as a result of the last 40 weeks. And then maybe some words about looking ahead with what happens after Bellagio. Maybe first, just just go back for a second and remind you where did the expedition come from? The truth is it came from me uh, and it came from me because I was doing so many talks about leadership for women empowerment programs around the world and increasingly realising that when I asked at the end, can I see the reading list for this leadership program? They were all reading lips full of of books written by men or books written by women on how to succeed in a man's world. And as you well know, I'm not that interested in that. It came because you everywhere you went during COVID, everybody was saying that the world had to change. And my instinct is that the world won't change. <laughs> it certainly won't change if it's the same leaders running it and leading it 
And one of the quickest ways of diversifying the leadership of the world is to bring more women in. And yet at the same time, I met so many young women who were saying, if that's leadership, I don't want anything to do with it. And more and more realising that there was this enormous jigsaw with some huge pieces in it, an enormous jigsaw of women empowerment with huge pieces about how to inspire women, how to change the systems in which women uh, operate or aren't allowed to operate. Huge pieces of the jigsaw that are about the rights and the legalities uh, that have to change. And huge, huge pieces of jigsaw which are about the networks and the support networks and building those networks that women need. And the more I looked at this jigsaw, the more, to my mind, there was a tiny piece of the jigsaw. In a corner of the jigsaw, it's a tiny, tiny piece um, that, that, to my mind, was empty, which is an expression of leadership that made women say, if that's leadership, I'm in, as opposed to, if that's leadership, I don't want anything to do with it. We've got to have lots of women saying... That resonates with me. That's how I want to be as a leader. Um, Count me in. It's a small piece of the jigsaw, but I deeply believe that it needs filling. And then on top of that, like all of us in life, there were some people I met who, who just encouraged me and said, no, you're onto something here. I'm not even sure if they knew I was, but their encouragement was so important at a key moment. And for them, I love them dearly. So if that's where it came from, that's where the expedition came from, I thought I'd try and capture some of the things that I think I've learnt in the process of leading the expedition about leadership. (laughs) I've chosen a few. Firstly, I learnt or was reminded of by, I don't know, but... What a joy it is to work with women. The rubbish that's talked about, you know, women don't get on with each other. Oh boy, do we get on with each other. I think it's a... (laughs) People have to pretend we don't get on with us because if they actually had to recognise how much we do get on, there would be a real problem for lots of people. We do get on. Equally, there's lots of differences between us. And um, if I needed reminding of that, episode 35 of the podcast where I interviewed a lot of women who were talking about being brought up in one part of the world and moving to another part of the world and suddenly realising that what they thought was the position of women in society and how women behave that they were brought up with is not necessarily true of all women and that, that things are different in different parts of the world. Seems obvious, but it was a very powerful episode illustrating that point. So the kindness of women and the joy of being with women. The second one um, was to be reminded how crucial it is that leaders create the right culture, the right atmosphere, so that people enjoy themselves. People who are very, very busy actually find moments to, to to join in with what you're doing because they enjoy it, but they also... They feel its purpose, they feel its momentum, they feel its energy. And I know that 
Sometimes I whoop for joy when we find wonderful things. And <laughs> over the years, I've always seen people thinking, why does she behave in such a silly fashion? I think that's that's part of creating a culture. I think another part is to apologise. And I've had to apologise quite a few times through the expedition as I've got things wrong and recognise that I've got things wrong and apologise and try to put them back together again. And then also, I think also recognising that that a huge part of creating the right atmosphere is to have Maria, who's our community manager, Maria, whose patience and kindness to everybody is something that makes makes you want to be as good as Maria. <laughs> so creating the right atmosphere and trying to trying to think through what it is that that has created that. I'm I suspect you'd have to talk to some of the members of the expedition to really understand it but those are some of the things I think we've got right. Then I've also been constantly reminded that that leaders listen and leaders listen really really hard because the truth is that the members of the team usually have the answers. <laughs> they, they usually have the answers that the leader can't see and there are 24 extraordinary women on this expedition and they almost always have the answers uh, and then on top of that, we also have Lissa and Stephanie. Lissa, who is the disruptor on the expedition, and Stephanie, who is the enabler on the expedition, who help us along and have been with us right through the journey. And as you listen, of course, sometimes people see different things from you. And then that's that's tough. You sit there thinking, do they see something different because they see more than I do? Or do they see something different because they see less than I do? And trying to figure that one through, not easy, but the heart of it is listening. And then recognising, I suppose, also that there will always be in any big leadership job moments when you get utterly lost and totally miserable, that you need to share that so that the other human beings who are on the expedition with you understand that you're human as well, but equally not share it too much because they have to have confidence that as the leader, I'm going to get them there. <laughs> so often I have shared my fears and miseries with Lissa and Stephanie and that uh, sharing and just talking through the issues has helped so much. I don't necessarily always agree with what they suggest I should do, but it's the talking it through with people that you respect and value that has been so helpful. I've been reminded that that all teams are... <laughs> their magic is their diversity. Uh, I've never, I don't think, led a homogenous team uh, it's diverse teams that, that produce the energy and the joy and the ideas and the, and, the, and, the, and the disruption and the tension and everything that's worth being there for. We've had all kinds of diversity, every sort of diversity, including, crucially, diversity in age. The youngest member of the expedition is 24, and I think I'm the eldest at 64. But we, even with the diversity, we have still been a very privileged group of women and recognising that 
and recognizing how much that blinds us uh, and trying to 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 cover some of those those issues and listen hard but uh, you know also recognizing that in the diversity there are challenges it's a very very global group and there is a danger that the loudest voices get heard the most and um as a leader trying to f- make the diversity the strength and let it to love the diversity um while guiding it and leading it well i hope i've got some of that right some of it i haven't and i've had to apologize i know on many occasions i think the last two things are just reminded of how tough it is sometimes as a leader to hold to the task to make sure that there isn't a vision drift to make sure that we do actually deliver an approach to leadership that resonates with women and sometimes that's felt like holding the sea back because members of the expedition have have intuitively widened the brief and looked at other issues that they're passionate about around the systems around the legalities around all the other issues that hold women back but somehow keeping ourselves to the task to that poor small piece of the jigsaw that we are focused on filling that's been when i've had to had conversations with lisa and stephanie to help me to encourage me to to hold to the task and then i think the last one is the ability to be agile to adapt to think of clever ways to play with ideas and i mean play i mean be playful with ideas to adapt to not plot everything out but in so so i mean i i knew what we would do on the first session of the expedition but we've had many sessions and i certainly at the beginning didn't know what we were going to do on session 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 um we have adapted and designed as we have gone along and adapted to the pace to the tensions to the ideas as they have emerged and even in that agility it seems to me to somehow remember as a leader that agility causes lots of problems for some members of the expedition who are much more familiar with a a more structured approach a clearer plan plotted out more carefully i am very very relaxed about learning as you go designing as you go not quite not knowing what will happen next and and that doesn't worry me at all and i know it doesn't worry a lot of women on the expedition but i do know that it worries some and somehow allowing for the diversity of the way people think has been crucial so then what am i thinking about what are the big insights for me from the expedition from the main expedition and my little tiny expedition of running the the podcast that has gone in parallel with it here are some thoughts as no attempt to make them tidy because as you all have discovered i don't necessarily have a tidy mind 
but also because we haven't got to a Bellagio yet. I, like everybody, will be bringing thoughts and then we must work them all through. But the ones that I will be taking are, I've sort of tried to group them into four areas. One is, well, the first one is that, you know, I said that one of the problems of of, of the, the empowerment programs of women that I've come across is that the, the, the books about leadership that they're given to read are written by men. That isn't the only problem. It seems to me that the language of leadership is so heavily framed by men, but it's also so heavily framed by the English language and so heavily framed by the vast majority of the authors are addressing or from the commercial world. Now, I didn't put many conditions on when choosing who the 24 women who were on the expedition would be. But one of the conditions was that every single member has to speak at least two languages. I think I've always known that being multilingual is it just gives you a different insight into the world. And very pragmatically, it also, I knew that if we had lots and lots of languages amongst the members, that means that when the expedition is over, we can express the approach to leadership that resonates with women in many languages. But I think my thinking on that's gone even further. You know, the English language dominates writings about leadership. I'm sure someone will tell me I'm wrong, but it, it feels like it's pretty dominant, if not dominates. And the episode, the podcast episode 40, sort of reinforced that for a, in a big way for me. We, you know, we we decided that we had to come up with a definition of leadership that that we would start from on the expedition. And we did come up with a really good definition of leadership. And it, it sort of highlighted this point that, you know, leadership is leadership and it's not gendered. Leadership is leadership, whether you're a man or whether you're female or male. The thing that we're saying is that how you do leadership could be slightly different as a woman. And and it was it was interesting. Once we'd come up with that definition, we'd all agreed it. We then, I went through the process of asking uh, 12 members of the expedition to translate that into their native tongue. And that was the, the theme of last week's podcast, number 40. And if I needed anything reinforcing this message of English has overframed the concept of leadership. The process of going through with 12 different women and 12 different languages, how to translate the definition, it's sort of absolutely made it obvious. It's so obvious, it's, it's striking. If, if you have a moment, listen to it. And particularly, I to me, listen to Uma talking about, yes, of course, the strengths of the existence of English and the fact that, for example, the expedition itself wouldn't be possible probably without 
a common language that is English, but also how she expresses the poverty of the English language and how she 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 shares that she thinks in English, but her language of emotion is Bengali. And I left that episode just so sad that I love Uma and the thought that I can never really communicate with her in Bengali, the language of her emotions, is immensely sad. You know, the poverty of the English language and the poverty of translation and the illusion that Google in some way translates anything intelligently for us. So uh, that, and then the commercial world. The truth is that as far as I can see, an enormous amount of leadership writing is written about, about or from the commercial world. And yet some of the most powerful leaders there are lead schools. Have a look at episode 32. They lead theatres. Have a look at episode 31. They are midwives. Have a look at episode 28. And what they know about leadership and many, many other sectors and many, many other women needs capturing because it is so much more powerful in many cases than just the commercial angle, the corporate angle, the private sector angle. So that's the first one, the, the sort of the tyranny of language. The second thing that's mulling and mulling over in my mind is, is, is the fact that when we talk about leadership, we very, very seldom talk about mothering and we very, very seldom talk about spirituality. And yet both of those are such big issues for women in the world. I think I've changed my language on this one. I don't talk about motherhood. I talk about mothering. There was a big breakthrough when, I can't remember who it was, who was saying, you know, mothering is the right word because it's the mothering skills, whether it's to your children or other people's children or other people generally or to the earth. What is What are those mothering instincts and what are those... What's, what is that learning around spirituality and the, the purpose of leadership that can get lost? Um, that mothering and spirituality need to be essential elements of any approach to leadership that resonates with women. And then I suppose the third big area is the realisation that that I am, however much I don't want to admit it, caught in my own generation. Uh, I am 64. I think I knew how angry young women are with my generation. But I think I that has been reinforced. If our approach to leadership that resonates with women is too rational and sensible and collaborative, I think there are a lot of young women who are going to be it won't resonate with them. And in fact, they might even reject the approach to leadership that resonates with women. They are, they are conscious of time ticking by. They are conscious that they have to work well with more senior women, older women, because we can't wait for them to fix things as they come through. We have to get a collaboration between young women and older women going. 
And um, I think that's really hit hard. I think I'm caught in my own generation. So I think up to now, I have thought of AI as something a bit frightening, something that may be trying to undermine leaders. And I think, I think I've changed my mind. AI, artificial intelligence, is, is another tool. It's a collaborator for leaders. And leaders need, including me, to change my mindset around this that AI is only as good as we as leaders brief it, debrief it, debunk it, and disagree with it. If we don't set the parameters for it right, if we don't um, analyse the conclusions of it right, if we don't debunk it and reduce people's fear of the word AI... And if we don't occasionally disagree and overrule its outcomes, then AI will become a threat, but it could be one of the most amazing collaborators in the world. I think I'm caught in my generation. I don't think I've ever been particularly bigoted about um, trans issues, but I think I have been pretty blind to them. And I'm determined to do something about that and to try and find a way of expressing myself on the subject that means that I don't offend people. But I think I'm caught in my generation and I need to catch up. I think my generation has perhaps also been quite obsessed with policies and rights and influencing governments and public bodies and slightly blind to influencing how money flows in the world and how important it is that women play their part in defining that. I think, I think as a generation, I have been aware of my privilege and uncomfortable with it and trying to find a way to, 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 to sort of frame it in a way that works. And I think... There are some members of the expedition who have framed privilege as responsibility, and I, I found that very helpful. And then I think the other one is that certainly um, I think as a generation I have... I have... Now let me get a way of expressing this right. I think I haven't questioned the illusion of meritocracy that exists in many organisations. There is no meritocracy in lots of organisations, but there is the, an illusion of meritocracy in many organisations, and it is an illusion. And it has some really quite wicked consequences. The men think it's a meritocracy and therefore say if there aren't women around here, that must be because they can't hack it. And the women think that it's a meritocracy and if, I aren't, if I'm not succeeding, it must be because I'm not good enough. And I think putting a pin in this illusion of meritocracy is something I, maybe it's just my blindness, it's not my generation's blindness, I'm hiding behind my generation, but I think need to get better at that. And then I think the last 
big area for me is is reframing all these perceived weaknesses of women and reframing them as our strengths. I don't know if you're occasionally accused of being emotional because you're a woman. And I always say now back, well, <laughs> do you have a problem with emotion? Can I help you? <laughs> Are you struggling to be emotional? <laughs> or when you get accused or when you accuse yourself of imposter syndrome, now I always say, well, you know, if the alternative to the imposter syndrome is thinking you know everything, I'd rather have imposter syndrome any day. Give it me any day. Or the one I get accused of quite often is of being irrational. And um, <laughs> now the answer is yes. <laughs> we need a bit of irrational if we're going to get some new ideas. And we need a different definition of what rational is. I think we do have to reframe perceived women's weaknesses into their strengths. Um, because in the modern day, they are our strengths. We need them badly. We need to be emotional. We need to not be full of ourselves. We need to be irrational. We need to ask the questions. We need to push back. We need to think differently and be confidently different. And, and you know, interviewing on the podcast has made me realise there are so many fields in which there's such a need for for women leaders. I, you know, episode 32, all about how you lead trauma. The last thing you want is a non-emotional, deeply rational person, leader who thinks they know everything if you're leading trauma. You know, the episode isn't out. It's out in January. I've been doing a lot of work in supply chain management. <laughs> you need women in supply chain management because it is a chain, a circular chain. But um, I think it's women who will connect it up. Anyhow, I'll tell you more about that in January. So those are my four big areas. Uh, there are many others. But those are the four on this 28th day of December 2022 that come to mind to share. After Bellagio, what will we, do, we be doing in 2023? I tell you exactly what I want it to be. I want, I want, I want women emerging and the outcomes of the expedition to be a source of knowledge about leadership, an open source source of knowledge about leadership for women all over the world. The podcast continuing, we'll write a book, we'll have an audio book, we'll do many expeditions, we'll do music and we'll do games, we'll do all kinds of different things, we'll carry on doing our lives. And I hope we'll, we'll do them in many different languages, the many different languages that the women on the expedition speak and the women who have helped the expedition happen speak. And as we do it, I hope we'll stick to our piece of the jigsaw. It's a tiny piece, but it's a crucial piece. And I think if that piece is filled, the other big pieces can achieve even more. So to my, it, in my head, it's a sort of, I want to create a well for women, a leadership well for women 
a well, you know, those things, those things, those holes that go into the ground and that pull up water. It must be a well because wells are where you draw water and water is a very basic need. And a lot of leadership is really quite basic. But it's a well because, you know, we gather around wells we talk and laugh and disagree and play and and we welcome men who want to come and talk and laugh and disagree and play around the well too we we bring up our kids around wells we we gather around a well to ask questions wells refresh us and when you draw all the water up, sometimes you just start splashing everybody else and throwing it around and having joy in the fun. And that's what I want women emerging to be, a well full, a source, a well full of knowledge about leadership so that it, it provides sustenance and a place of gathering for the many women who are going to become leaders in the future or become bigger leaders in the future. So yes, I am very excited by 2023 about producing an approach to leadership that resonates for women and to share it far and wide. So I send you a happy new year to all of you. Cannot wait. Happy new year and much, much love. Julia. To become part of our movement and share your thinking with us, subscribe to the podcast and join the Women Emerging group on our website at womenemerging.org. We love all of the messages you send us. Keep them coming.